Hey guys, welcome back to the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, we're your hosts. I'm Ian. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore IM. I'm Akash. You can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore Fantasy. So we're to the point in the offseason where people are going to start just, uh, you know, finding things to talk about. And sometimes those things to talk about are Jimmy Garoppolo because he's still people on the 40 board. Yeah, people are bored, and we're we're to the point where there's rumor or not rumors. There's people creating rumors that you know maybe the third third overall pick last year that they spent three firsts on uh, might not start in his second year. He might take another another year to sit behind the great, the one and only great Jimmy Garoppolo, and just learn behind him. Just learn behind a great quarterback. Um, unfortunately, that's not what happens in the NFL, and. Akash can talk to you about how good Jimmy Garoppolo is first before we get into like the semantics of why this should not scare you off of Trey Lance. Yeah, so back during the 49ers playoff run, never thought they'd make it that far, but it was during, uh, I think, the Packers game. I uh, went on Player Profiler, checked out some stats. Jimmy Garoppolo, this is all per Player Profiler. Check them out. It's a great site if you haven't checked it out, but who hasn't checked them out before? Pass plays per game. He ranked... He ranked 29th in the league, yet he was 9th in the league in danger plays and 8th in the league in in interceptable throws. He doesn't pass a lot, but when he does, he's not passing very well. And he was 31st in the league in money throws, so he's not making big throws and he's making a lot of bad throws, despite not passing a lot overall. He's not very good, to be concise. Yeah, and there's a possibility that the player that they just spent a ton on is could be good, and I think that's something that they would like to experiment with. Right. I don't think quarterback prospect or game manager who isn't good. It's shouldn't be a very difficult decision. Well, and the decision was already made when they drafted him. Is the thing yeah. too, like hundred percent. There was I. There's. I don't think they had a possibility, or there is a possibility of Trey Lance not starting this year. I think right. it would be uh, unheard of, first of all, to mm-hmm. do the, to trade up and spend so much and then not start him a second year for like it, it's not exactly like Aaron Rodgers is in front of him. I was just about to say that, and, and they drafted also, Love with a late first, so it, it's not even because lo- Love is a lot worse than Lance. Oh yeah, and if we're talking about like prospect evals, Love was a terrible prospect, and Lance was quite a good prospect. He was yeah, and Lance is someone that we can we can talk about, especially when it comes to prospect stuff, which most quarterbacks we should have to year one anyways. But when you don't play, for the most part, uh, we could talk about your prospect grades and all that. That's and all we have ter- to go off of. Yep. Yeah, and in terms of who Trey Lance is as a prospect for fantasy football. Um, He's an elite Konami quarterback, which if you like are unfamiliar, it's elite is the tier of like how good that quarterback prospect is and Konami is how much they're rushing, which for fantasy football is huge for us. So the elite Konami quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin the third, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. I know Joe Burrow's a hotly contested one, but he just fits the Konami threshold. Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And that whole group is something that you would sink your teeth into um, in terms of getting a quarterback in fantasy football because those are the quarterbacks that go one, two, three, four, five, or should go one, two, three, four, five, like in the in the top of your startups. The elite Konami quarterback is like the pinnacle of dynasty football value. And if you have a player that can ascend there and has a very realistic chance of doing so, and again, a late first, like 
you think you can't gain value on a late first, and you can with Trey Lance. And also the floor value of Trey Lance, uh, Jacob Sanderson said this one, was that his floor value next year is Justin Fields, um, someone who was all right, which his peripherals are actually good, but in terms of like just general NFL football, Justin Fields was an all right rookie, solid prospect, and his value is still early too, I would say, in startups and probably like QB 10 on keep trade cut, but that's kind of like the floor value you're looking at with Trey Lance after this year. And Mm -hmm. then the ceiling value you're looking at is number one. I mean, not maybe we're looking at like number one, two, three, like assets. The absolute ceiling is Lamar Jackson, 2019, a huge breakout with a ton of rushing and really good passing. That's the absolute ceiling. And he has a ton of NFL uh, insulation because of his high draft capital and the fact that they have so much sunk cost into him that he's going to be their starter. And he has yeah. fantasy value insulation because he rushes well and people love fantasy points and he gives us fantasy points. And uh, just to take Akash's point one point further where he's talking about like the high draft capital use that they're tied to him and they're going to like, even if he's not doing well in terms of throwing and stuff, they're still going to be tied to him and like held on to him. Yep. One uh, example I used yesterday was Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at like PFF passing rate, like how good of a passer were you his first four years? He didn't even touch a 75, which is what we talked about is kind of like the average, like 75, like average to good um, passing grade. And he didn't hit that his first four years in the NFL, but because he was the number one pick, they used him and they just kept using him. And I did this thing where who else was like a part of that, where the first four years they aren't doing that, but they're still passing or still starting in the NFL. Uh, Like Sam Darnold, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Cam Newton, Mark Sanchez. Those were the names I remember. There was a couple more, but those were the uh, Blake Bortles was one where the they're tied to you. So they're using you. But the difference with Cam Newton, like there is with Trey Lance is, Trey Lance doesn't have to be this great thrower because Kim Newton was putting up top five seasons. He was putting up an average over those four years of 22.3 points per game. And like we said, he wasn't a good passer, but with how much he rushes, I mean, that that's fantasy gold. Look at Jalen Hurts. He was an average passer. When we're looking at PFF pass grade, I believe he was like in that 75 range too, might be a little lower where he's, he wasn't that good, but he did everything on his legs and we've seen it with Trey Lance. He he started two games and his carry percentage. I mean, you should never extrapolate two game sample sizes, but 36% carry percentage is by far the highest a rookies would have ever, ever, ever had. I and don't it, think it lines any... up with what we know from college. So I'll let it slide the yeah. small sample size. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like a sneak peek that like confirms the priors of his prospect <laughs> evaluation. Exactly. And his rushing, um, Helped him out in actual NFL value insulation because you can make a more dynamic offense with that. Same yeah. thing happened and with Cam Newton. Being on the 49ers is literally gold. Like that was a gold mine <laughs> for him to go to because one no pun intended. The, yeah, they're really good at rushing the football. I mean, that's kind of Kyle Shanahan's MO, I would say. And then their weapons are some of the best yak group in the whole league. Top five for sure, with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, like you don't have to be an exceptional passer to put up passing numbers, like adequate passing numbers. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Akash talked about how Jimmy Garoppolo, he's like not a good quarterback because he doesn't throw a lot of money throws, big time throws, but he throws a lot of turnover worthy plays. But we see him put up like your average, like passing yards per game are fine. 
yeah. for like what you look at because of these receivers that are great after the catch. Trey Lance has that. So yeah. we're looking at really like I think the biggest misconception with Trey Lance is that he's a low floor quarterback because we haven't seen anything. He's young um, and he's being picked in the late first, early second of startups. And that's kind of like a dangerous price, I would say. But the thing is, his floor is probably a mid-second next year. Like, Right. And um, Jacob Sanderson hit on this, too, a couple months ago. He was talking about how just because they're rushing, it doesn't make them high-risk, high-reward. You should, And he said you should stop thinking of rushing QBs as low floor in Dynasty. Because of the high draft capital, it gives them a uh, high floor when people think of it as low floor. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Hurts, for example, the low floor is that he doesn't have a job because in the NFL you need to be a good passing quarterback. Like You don't have these amazing seasons rushing so much in the NFL compared to fantasy football. So they don't love Jalen Hurts as much as we do, and they aren't tied to him. So the danger or the risk with Jalen Hurts is he's not starting, so he can't get points. He can't rush for points. With Trey Lance, he doesn't have to be a good passer to pretty much have job security for a while. Like. We don't exactly know how good of a passer he's going to be, especially with a low sample size in college for passing, which is really hard. And we didn't see anything this year to really get even a clue. So, yeah, we're looking at someone who could be terrible, but start for four years and have three top five seasons because he rushed so damn much. Yeah, I'm with you. So, yeah, you can be at the pinnacle of dynasty fantasy football assets when you have that rushing Konami upside and Lamar Jackson is no different who Akash wanted to hit on the point that he's probably a bit undervalued for what we know him to be, what his profile is. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to make that into very actionable advice, except for if you're pivoting off of a guy like Joe Burrow or Jonathan Taylor because they're very similar in their values. But I would absolutely pivot off both those guys for Lamar Jackson. But he's just a guy I would want to trade for in general because he's a very high ceiling player. He probably has the highest ceiling out of any quarterback in the league for fantasy football, higher than Josh Allen and higher than Patrick Mahomes because of what we saw during that 2019 season. I want to talk about um, demonstrated elite ceilings. We've seen Lamar demonstrate that he has an elite ceiling. We saw back in his 2019 season, he's been a good passer throughout his whole career, and he rushes a lot. Everyone knows that. But for some reason, people continue to fade Lamar. Not a ton, not to like the second round of your startup drafts, but he's going as a QB5 or QB6 when, for me, he's my QB3. And on keep trade cut, he's going uh, eighth in Superflex, ADP and for me he's third and it's just a discrepancy that you can uh, try to take advantage of because in his range of outcomes for 2022 he has um, the 2019 season Lamar Jackson in his range of outcomes and that's a big reason why I'm basically all in on this Baltimore offense because they have a bunch of good players they have a really good quarterback they have Mark Andrews who is just a tight end one tight end premium he had like 20 points per game they have Hollywood Brown, who everyone on Twitter sees me talking about, because he's earned a really high target share over the past two years. Like oh, Over um, the a player's second and third year, the only player since 2010 to have a 25% target share in their second and third year are A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, George Kittle, Michael Thomas, 
Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, Josh Gordon, and AJ Green. It's just a list full of studs. Marquise Brown has earned targets at a very high rate throughout his entire career. He's been dominating every year of football in his NFL career. And so I expect him to do nothing short of continue to dominate the targets yet again. And he has a good quarterback. And he's in a good offense. And so I'm all in on this offense. I also love Rashad Bateman. Um, well, I it just all became so clear to me why Kosh wanted to talk about Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, he kind of hit me before the show and said we could talk about Lamar Jackson. He's undervalued. And about halfway through his shtick on Lamar Jackson, I realized he only wanted to talk about Marquise Brown. And he found out he could just pivot there way easier than anything else. So he tried the Hollywood yeah, propaganda, it. it thrives. It thrives. This morning, um, I had like five people send me a tweet where someone was talking uh, about how they didn't like Hollywood Brown. I just thought that was really funny. Mr. Uh, Hollywood uh, himself is you. Um, but speaking of Lamar Jackson, so like with the rushing, first of all, we all know Lamar Jackson has that break fantasy football upside because of his rushing. The last three years, he's been above 30%, which is which last year actually was at 36.5%, which is pretty crazy when you uh, think about it. But part of that's not having like Dobbins, Edwards, you know, he had to take more of the rushing load and an offense that likes to rush the ball. But besides the point, he's someone who's going to put up a 30% carry rate next year. Like that's a given. And then when we talk about passing, so one interesting thing that like we're uh, talk about a lot is clean PFF pass grade because that's the grade, the passing grade that you have when you're kept clean, when the pocket is okay for you to make. A, I don't know the exact definitions, but that's they also have normal pass grade. And so when you compare the two, you can see, okay, well, his clean PFF pass grade is way better than his pass grade. Well, that's because he wasn't kept clean a lot. So a lot more of his throws were on the run, outside of the pocket, under a ton of pressure. So you can get like a good sense of how the situation is for him throwing. So Lamar Jackson had his worst throwing season since his rookie year last year. But when we look at clean PFF pass grade, his MVP year 88.3 is third year 80.8 and last year 80.3. He was still throwing the clean in the clean pocket, the same as he has since his second year. But then when we look at pass grade, he had a 65.9 last year, which isn't good. The last two years before that, 76.9, 85.3. We could see for him to have a clean pass grade that much higher than his pass grade, he just was not being kept upright a lot, you'd have to assume. And he was making a lot more of his throws on the run under pressure, which in turn usually ends up being worse because, duh. So that's probably part of the reason we can look back and say, wow, Lamar Jackson wasn't uh, this break fantasy football player that he could have been in year three, but that or in year four, but that doesn't change going forward to year five because he's the Lamar Jackson that he's been. He just needs to be kept clean, um, you know, just situational stuff. But he's still the same Lamar Jackson offers the QB one floor. That's right. And then um, going back to the whole offense, I one of the concerns I hear about um, supporting um, Andrews, Hollywood, Bateman is that there's simply not enough volume to go around because they're going to go back to their old, very run um, heavy ways once they get uh, once they get Dobbins back and they get Edwards back. First of all, for two running backs coming off of ACL tears, expecting a full recovery. Obviously, medicine has gotten better over the years, but 
it shouldn't be an absolute certainty. And second of all, everyone um, has pretty much internalized the fact that passing the ball is a lot more efficient than running the ball, especially when you have a really good quarterback like Lamar Jackson. And so when they've when they had Lamar passing a lot in 2019, their offense um, was quite good before uh, Lamar got hurt and they had to bring in Josh Johnson and Tyler Huntley. It didn't show up as much on the stat sheet, but um, when you pass more, you're going to have a more efficient offense. And so for them to go back to those archaic dead ball era offensive ways that they had in 2019 and 2020, I don't, I just don't see it uh, happening as much. I do think it comes down from the ninth highest volume that they had in 2021 back to closer to league average, probably a little bit below just because of the getting those running backs back. But I don't expect their volume to go back to what it was in 2019 and 2020, where they were throwing under 30 attempts per game. So that doesn't really worry me as far as like the floor for those guys. Yeah, and they also drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round last year, right. which is kind of a franchise. Like when a franchise drafts a player uh, receiver in the first round, they're usually saying we want more rep- weapons because we want to throw more. Yeah, and they've done nothing but indicate they want to throw more. Yeah, they've- and like mm-hmm. to Akash's point, something Akash says a lot is good offenses are created by good players. So when we talk about like passing offenses or in, in tying it with receiving offenses. So passing offenses, it gets better with better players. So when they're taking Rashad Bateman in the first round, despite having Marquise Brown and uh, Mark Andrews, who we know are good receiving options, they're grabbing another one because they want another good player in that passing offense. So, and it, furthermore, having good players in your passing offense just makes your offense better means you're going to probably score more, probably going to extend drives longer, have more plays, pass for more yards. So there's just the pie gets bigger when you have a better offense. And that yeah. helps so everyone. It's not just the, they're taking away from each other. They're capping each other's ceiling. They're increasing the ceiling for the whole offense. And that's great for us. And that's how we see those players get the same target shares year over year because the pie just gets bigger generally. You don't see too much of the players uh, p- percentage of the pie getting worse for other players because those players are dictating the volume of the offense in a sense. Yeah. Um, and then another point that you were talking about, like with JK Dobbins or Gus Edwards, where like they could go back to that archaic offense because now they have those two running backs back. Well, besides them, like kind of hinting to us that they want to pass more. And then they actually did pass more last year. They were like ninth or something in pass attempts. Yeah, sure. You could say it's a little bit game script, but you don't get to ninth with terrible game script only. Mm -hmm. Like you still have to want to throw the ball and throw the ball. And Lamar Jackson had his highest, like uh, second year's thirty one percent carry rate. Second year or third year's thirty percent. Last year's thirty six point five percent. So right now, like closer to forty than he is to thirty. You'd have to assume that's part of him taking some part of the offense, uh, rushing offense with Dobbins and Edwards out. Mm-hmm. So if they come back, does like you'll probably see Lamar's carry percentage go a little bit lower because those players are back and they can go back to that. But that doesn't mean that they don't want to pass the ball. They don't want to be a passing offense. They are telling us that they want to be a passing offense. Yeah, 100%. You hit the nail on the head. And now we can transition from the demonstrated ceiling of Lamar Jackson to just the concept of demonstrated ceiling. So I do want to talk about that. That was something we were talking about before the show. Uh, something I also tweeted a few, uh, a couple months ago, how 
players that have demonstrated elite ceilings who aren't priced like elite assets are guys that I absolutely want to trade for in Dynasty. Like, I would rather trade um, uh, my second rounder if I want points. I would rather trade for Leonard Fournette than say who's going around him like uh, uh Harris, like Chase Edmonds, Edmonds Harris, running back twos and threes. I would rather shoot for the upside of say a Leonard Fournette. Um, other guys fit the bill. Yeah, Michael Thomas, who's priced around in early second. George Kittle, who has shown an elite ceiling um, throughout his career. I don't think he's ever been outside the top three in points per game at his position since like his um, rookie year. Uh, Deontay Johnson, who people are fading because of the quarterback situation when he's done nothing but earn targets at an elite rate. Last year, he had 17 points per game. He was a top eight wide receiver. People are still... Um, People still don't I, like him. I, I, I think it's a funny narrative to say that, oh my gosh, his situation got so much worse because <laughs> Big Ben, one of the worst, worst quarterbacks in the NFL, will note, like, do you know how realistic it is for Mitchell Trubisky to win the starting job and be a better passer than Big Ben was last year? Very like much. That, that's very much realistic. Also, exactly. someone with a higher A dot, which is something we want for Deontay Johnson. Exactly. It's not like Deontay's only catching like screens from Big Ben. He's a full route tree wide receiver. He earns targets at a very high rate because he wins all over the field. He's not yeah, just always catching the, the six-yard slants from Big Ben. Exactly. I'll use the hands here. Deont- mm-hmm. If this is Deontay Johnson just normally uh, with Big Ben and people want to just this like bring in Deshaun Watson or someone that would just elevate him to like this the peak, the peak of what mm-hmm. it can be. But instead we went like right here, probably a little level above Big Ben with Mitchell Trubisky, but value people are like, oh no, he got Mitchell Trubisky in. That sucks. He was already in a terrible situation with Big Ben. Like Big Ben wasn't a good passer, and they sure. still threw a ton. Like they threw 37, 38 times a game with They're a smart. terrible. They would rather they would rather pass inefficiently than rush inefficiently because if you have an inefficient passing offense, it's still way more efficient than your inefficient rushing offense because yeah, do, do you remember uh big ben's farewell in pittsburgh he was average like per pass attempt he had to be averaging like five yards per pass attempt or four the last yard. game yeah he threw the last like, game in kansas city i believe no, he no no not the playoff game it oh, was okay. his last like in pittsburgh like his farewell i think it was monday night game and he probably had like 130 passing yards on like 40 attempts that sounds hilarious. I want to check that because that sounds hilarious. I remember I the KC game was bad because at halftime he had like two yards per attempt, which was even worse. God awful. But no, nah, Big Ben was a very bad quarterback last year. Yeah, now I'm going to um, fact check myself just to see okay. if someone up there is like, wow, this person has no idea what he's talking about. He had, he had um, 5.5 in, uh, well, yeah, week, eight, week 18? Yeah, week 18 was the Yeah, week 18 was he the... had 5.5 yards per attempt. That's not even the worst. The week before that, he had 2.7 yards per attempt. <laughs> well, this one, was, so uh, this one was nationally televised, so we, right. had to, we couldn't uh, just red zone it and flip to another game. We unfortunately had to watch the 5 yards per pass attempt, like every single pass attempt. Oh yeah, it was he was awful. Trying to find if a uh, player profiler has yards per oh, they have yards per attempt right here. Thirtieth in the league last year. <laughs> yeah. Great big Ben Roethlisberger, whose disappearance, whose retirement now hurts Deontay so much because his thirtieth yards per attempt is gone. That, Whatever are we gonna sad. do now? 
Right. It's so sad. basically, to basically, we're saying Big Ben was bad, and don't downgrade Deontay just because a bad quarterback is gone. <laughs> I think this one could be used with the Patrick Star meme, where it's like, "All right, so Big Ben's <laughs> bad." Yes. Okay. So anyone that they bring in is probably better. Yes. Okay. So Deontay Johnson should be fine. No. Goddamn man. That's good. That's good. And there's a lot of other players too. That was a good. I uh I bought Deontay Johnson actually semi recently. Um, Oh yeah. What you get? Uh, there was like probably a couple like thirds in one direction or another, but essentially it was Tom Brady and the 106 for Deontay Johnson and Tyler Lockett. You got Lockett too? Dang, that's so good. Wow. Yeah, I'm actually I, um, uh, Lockett goes to the Chiefs, I mean. I got I got um I gave Waddle and I got Deontay and the eleventh pick. It's a ten teamer, so it's two oh one. I got that pick and Chris Carson just thrown in there. I was hoping for Melvin Gordon. Oh, I got this deal. Yeah, exactly. It was um it was uh yeah, I thought feel pretty good about that one they're, they're about equal for me i have deontay higher in dynasty but like it's all the same tier and so to get move um from one to another get more depth and then um increase my picks that, that felt like a really good trade yeah if you're if you're buying deontay johnson off fair mar- market value you should feel good because yeah because he's undervalued yeah because he's undervalued so yeah, buy deontay johnson Right, buy every every guy on this list: McCaffrey, <laughs> Saquon, Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Cream Hunt. There's a lot of players on here who have elite ceilings who aren't priced like elite guys. Like the last few guys I named are all workhorse running backs who aren't priced like workhorse running backs. Two of them aren't Fournette. I was gonna say Christian McCaffrey is most certainly. He's just right. undervalued. That's all I was gonna say. He is priced like a workhorse running back, but he's not priced um, like the break fantasy football running player that he is. is exactly because there is some risk there if he gets hurt again his value is going to fall because he'll be a year older coming off of three missed years and people aren't going to be as willing to buy in and so there is risk because is um in the lower value installation but his range of uh outcomes includes being the best player at fantasy and that's just something i'm very interested in buying because i'm yeah. just looking to buy points at that at that point i can buy a bunch of points there and uh something i definitely feel like doing same with Saquon Barkley in his range of outcomes. He has 20 points per game in um, next season. That's totally within his range of outcomes. He's a tremendous receiver, workhorse uh, running back. It's not uh, outlandish that we could get early career Saquon back. And he's been elite throughout his whole college career, all of his NFL career, except for last year, coming off of a torn ACL and an ankle injury. And I'm more willing to believe that early career Saquon is more of the normal Saquon than last year's Saquon. I don't think that he's suddenly become bad because of a couple injuries. I think he, two years removed from the ACL injury, he should be a lot better. Yeah, and it was also just an absolutely abysmal Giants offense, um, yeah. not only in volume, but also just the quality and uh, passes, really, and with yeah. Mike Glennon and <laughs> Jake Fromm at the helm, and we're running quarterback sneaks on third and ten on our own, or their own. I'm, I will never... Ew, I can't believe it's an hour when I was talking about the Giants. So, right. But, so, part of what makes this Giant uh, Giants offense not terrible next year is that one, when you bring in a new uh, offense or an, a new system, which is what Dayball is doing, uh, it's going to be different. So, the alternative to terrible could be not terrible, which is something that, like, for weapons that we know are good, like Saquon Barkley. Um, is what we want. And part of what can make the offense good isn't that they had 
have to bring someone in this year necessarily. Daniel Jones going into his fourth year is someone who we could actually see do something. Now, usually you don't see like upside in quarterbacks that haven't shown too much um, promise over their first three years of their career. But one thing that we talked about, which uh, shouldn't reference earlier in the podcast, but I will, and I will talk about how we talked about Lamar Jackson had this really good clean PFF pass grade, but his actual pass grade wasn't fantastic because, well, the the situation has just been terrible. And to be fair for Daniel Jones, that it's never really been um, something awesome for him, the situation. He's had Joe Judge, and he's had Jason Garrett, and it hasn't been a high-volume offense in any way, and so – it's hard for a quarterback to do a lot, but we like Daniel Jones as a fantasy asset where he's at because a there's rushing upside, which we like. He's someone who can have like a 20, 25% carry rate, which is, well, that's very solid. Some we like, but then the part I was hitting about with the pass grade, his second year, which is when we like to see quarterbacks be good. It, his clean PFF pass grade was 90.5. His actual pass grade that year was 75, 74.4 which is like a 15 difference that says he was almost never kept clean. And when he was, he was actually Danny dimes. He was doing well. And then we go into his third year and he last year got banged up. Um, He actually like he had a 71.2 PFF pass grade, which isn't bad. That's like that 70 to 75 is pretty average for what we talk about, but we're looking at new scheme brought in. His floor in fantasy is someone who can rush. So when you're buying him at value, you're buying something that should be fine, even if it's not going to be a fantastic situation or this blow up. But there is possibility for a Daniel Jones blow up. Like it's for a quarterback to blow up year four, it's not unheard of at all. Like talking about like Cam Newton, his MVP year in year five, like he was not a good passer. And then year five, he has like an 88 clean PFF pass grade, which is really good. Like he just has, that's what quarterbacks can do. And for someone who has shown us that when he's kept clean can be a good quarterback and he rushes, I mean, I'll take that at value and it could make this offense better. Another reason to like Saquon Barkley. Okay. Yeah. You're kind of selling me on him because this is all, all Ian's thing, you know? Dear viewer, listener, please don't come at me. This is all Ian. If this doesn't pan out, if it does pan out, then I was with him a uh, whole time, nodding um, off to the side. But I think you are kind of selling me on this idea because it is pretty cheap. Konami points. If even if he isn't very good, it's he's cheaper than a lot of um, the other like one year guys in the league. So even if he is a one year guy, he rushes a decent amount and could there are more touchdowns than he did last year, which was very little off the top of my head. I uh, here I got one for you because I'm looking at keep trade cut. Okay, who would you rather have? They're completely even in value. Daniel Jones or Carson Wentz? Damn, that is that's tough. Um, I think in startups, like I've done a couple startups and I've stumbled into having Wentz on my team, and I think I drafted him over Daniel Jones. So I guess that's my answer. But now you're kind of selling me on Daniel Jones and they're rushing, but they're both high QB2s or mid QB2s. Yeah, and they could both be like have around the same production next year, but when we're yeah. looking at it just, upside, it's just a matter of yeah, upside. And but then also, the floor for once is higher maybe. I don't know. 
When you're a starter, I would say, and then I would you get traded. Actually, no. When you're when you're on your third team, right? I that's all I'm thinking. That, the, like the, it's Washington has no besides that they traded for him. It's not mm-hmm. out of the question to see him move up and get a quarterback. Or yeah, I mean, sure that could be true for the Giants, but I don't think they I'm, draft a quarterback. I they don't committed. think they draft a quarterback at all because this year, this next in year, a new, right? it's a new regime. Like the yeah. whole, it's a whole new front office, new regime. I think in year four, like I talk about, they want to see like at least what they have with Daniel Jones. I know that can be like a cliche, but mm-hmm. that, that's like they invested high draft capital. So there, there've been like, some quotes yeah. going around that they're, um, they're like going to give him a chance, and they think that he hasn't been given a fair shot by the surrounding. Like you said, his surroundings have been awful with coaching, O line, the weapons haven't been good. Like. They're they could definitely um they're probably gonna give him a fair shot. They signed Tyrod Taylor as their backup, and so that yeah, doesn't and much, but except it means they're not bringing in another backup quarterback, I guess. Yeah, and for Daniel Jones, like and the Giants, there's quarterbacks like the quarterbacks out there remaining. They could get Jimmy Garoppolo, something I don't think they want to do. And when you have a new yeah. regime, I, I think the la- like they're building from the ground up. The last thing you want to do is bring in a veteran quarterback who's not actually very good. Mm-hmm. And then the other one would be Baker Mayfield. But nice. Baker Mayfield is a conundrum to them in terms of they could just have Daniel Jones. They're highly drafted. You have to pay them you know, their high right. rookie salary. And you wouldn't have to spend a pick or anything. You already have Daniel Jones in-house. There's no so reason to trade. Baker Mayfield would make no sense. Yeah. And then quarterbacks in this draft, they're not exactly uh, great this year. They're, they, they have the two high picks from the Bears and their own. And I think I'm not an NFL like, draft expert or anything, but I've heard rumors that they want to trade out one of them to 2023. And so it's like um, insurance for next year if they want to go that, a route of a quarterback next year. And then they focus on like picking, I don't know, O lineman this year to help Jones, Daniel Jones and his like to see if they he actually have something. That could be uh that that's certainly what we could see from the Giants if they were to do that. They could easily just pick like an O lineman and then a defensive player and then try to build up their team in the trenches or something. I don't know. It's a fantasy football podcast. I don't I don't know NFL mock drafts. Well and the if we're like talking about if you have Carson Wentz and you could just swap him out for Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Carson Wentz. Besides the fact that the Commanders really don't have commitment to him, um, there's also that he's going into his seventh year compared to Daniel Jones, who's going into his fourth. And then yeah. there's that Carson Wentz is like a 11, 12 percent carry rate, which really doesn't do all that much for you. It's more of a scrambler type, I would say. So yeah. for fantasy football, you're not getting all that much from it. Whereas Daniel Jones, he his is higher, so you have that. And he's younger. And, I mean, there's just, like, he's not a sexy option, but alternatively at where he's valued, you could just swap Carson Wentz out for him. And All right. I think you're selling it. me on that. So we're in a league where you have Jones and I have Wentz, so let's do the trade. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. But have I sold you to the point that you'd add a one on DeWentz? Uh, yeah, you have. No, okay, you <laughs> have not. No, so I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to pay first for Daniel Jones. At market value, though, I think you make some good points that he could be a decent QB three. I mean, for your let's just throw some player. random narratives out there. Uh, 
Dayball took a Josh, Josh Allen, Allen who, right. who was bad. Josh Allen was bad. He's bad at passing, but then had the carry, and then Dayball made him good at passing. So now he's going to make Daniel Jones good at passing. Perfect. And I mean, it actually, up actually, perfect. if I just want to like hit the hit the narrative like just on the head uh-huh. through two years, Daniel Jones was a much better quarterback than Josh Allen. Math. There you go. Math. It works. The math works. This is analytics at its finest. No. Yeah. So basically, I'm telling you, you could spend your round 15 startup or mm-hmm. 16, who even knows, on Daniel Jones, and you could be looking at Josh Allen, the number one startup pick. You can <laughs> talk about uh, value gains. Value gains. Uh, it'd be funny if we look back on this in a year and we're actually right. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be really, really funny. I'd cut out the part where I was laughing and just sound serious. That's that's hilarious. Um, So I did manage to make you talk about Daniel Jones for 10 minutes. So this unfortunately (laughs) is going to be its own video. Oh man. Uh, Shoot. Well, I I actually am just finding out from you that this makes me a Daniel Jones truther, which yeah, it does. Oh, no one else is with you except for you're just on a lone island by yourself standing daniel jones is just your truth or now it's all it is um there's a good argument for it and you've sold me somewhat on it no that's always good i'm always open to new perspectives that's a good new perspective shoot uh i can't even think of like who i would uh try to get you to be a truther about or admit it what do you mean well like I'm trying to think of just low uh, Lavisca Chenault. There you go. You're a Lavisca truther. Can yeah, you talk yeah. for ten minutes about Lavisca? Uh, no. Nah, didn't we do that a couple episodes ago? Uh, I, After the I Kirk signing, talked no. for hours about him. I could talk for hours. <laughs> I don't think. Nah, what really happened, anything. and I don't know if this should be cut or not because it's actually really funny. Is he caught a deflected pass in a Minnesota game, and it's the only reason he didn't face plant because he caught three touchdowns over his last two games. And Trevor Lawrence go burr, and that's the only reason he didn't face plant. But there's still stats. His rookie comps are really interesting because it was solid rookie comps, except for the two closest, which were Tavon Austin and Cordell Patterson, which sucks. Which um, are kind of what um what Lavisca Chenault is. But I'm still interested at uh his very very depreciated cost because yeah, for sure he had good rookie comps. It's just sure maybe he doesn't pan out, but this has become. To me, what Christian Kirk was to Drew, and now Christian Kirk is the third, fourth highest paid receiver in the NFL. So, who's really uh, uh, who's laughing now? Uh, well, it, it sounds to me like you're saying Lewis Kishinol's going to sign for forty million next year, but yeah, a big extension. They got the Brink Sharks <laughs> backing up already. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna blow that Christian Kirk contract out of the water. <laughs> That's not words I not words I thought I'd ever say. No, not about Lavisca Chanel, no. Or Christian Kirk. <laughs> Talking about Christian Kirk's massive contract. Hell yeah. That's a that's really good stuff. Uh what else we got? DK you want to talk about DK Metcalf rumors? Uh how about we finish off? That's with a good segue. Little... You tortured me with your Daniel Jones propaganda, so I get to torture you about the possibility Wait, of DK getting look. traded. You tortured me about Daniel Jones. You made me talk about him for ten minutes. Hey, I think I Sweet. think um, 
Sure, we could talk about DK, or we could talk about fantasy ceilings like we have the whole show. You know, it's a trend, and we can oh, talk about I love it. Walker. Oh, yes. I love it. Great, great segue. Kenneth Walker is a very hot-button topic on Twitter just because um, the film community heavily disagrees with um, guys like me who are thinking in the way that I'm about to explain right now. He probably is a good rusher we have an idea of that there's metrics out there that say he's a good rusher he's probably going to get drafted highly because he's a good rusher he had a big final season in rushing market share because he was a workhorse because he's a good rusher he's efficient but the thing uh that i get caught up with on kenneth walker and i don't think it's a bad thing to to get caught up on is the fact that he had very little receiving work through um his entire college career three years in multiple different systems with uh, Wake Forest and then Michigan State. He never topped like five uh, market share receiving yards. He never topped like four, 3%. Like that was his ceiling at 3%-ish in 2021. And so when you don't profile at all like a receiver, it um, limits your, it hurts your ceiling and your floor for your range of outcomes where you have a lower floor and you have a lower ceiling because receiving scores as fantasy football point right it's the reason that we chase receiving at the running back position and when you have a lower ceiling like that and a lower floor it's not something i'm investing in with a top four first round pick i don't know where the adp is going to land after draft capital and all gets sorted out but he's probably going to be going top six at worst because he's a running back and people really like young running backs but i'm just as they should as they should but I'm not interested in investing in a young running back who doesn't have a very high projectable ceiling like Kenneth Walker. And he has a lower floor because of that less receiving. Just how it is. I don't think he's a bad player. He can be good at the game and also have a range of outcomes that's less than desirable for his opportunity cost. I'd much rather invest in one of the receivers there. Drake London, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams. They're all guys I would rather take. Right now, as I'm doing this, I'm pretty sure I'd rather take him all over Kenneth Walker. Not yeah. because I think that Walker's bad again, but just because of the range of outcomes. Yeah, and uh, the point that you were talking about how you would have to spend a high rookie pick or um, any of those backs to get mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker. Um, well, part of that production is top 12. Like you want RB1. You want RB1 production because RB2 production really doesn't do all that much in terms mm-hmm. of the – overall lens of fantasy football championships and point scoring. But when we look at top 12 uh, at your position, so if you've finished as an RB1 since the 2006 class, there's been 63 running backs that have done it since the 2006 class. And I keep, uh, when I'm looking at prospects, I keep receiving yard market share scores. So like basically how um, many receiving yards you get over the scores essentially how many you get over the average prospect that has a top 12 season if that makes sense yeah so that's what the score is so kenneth walker's uh score out of all those 63 running backs that have had an rb1 season would rank above only one player chris ivory who is ranked 63rd and then when we talk about like prospect score or like prospect grades elite prospects um, no one comes close to the score Kenneth Walker had. The closest one would be Melvin Gordon, who didn't actually have like a great profile or anything like that, and his still more than doubled what score uh, Kenneth Walker had because 
Kenneth Walker simply just doesn't catch passes. And that's something that you kind of need at least to do a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, he doesn't break it like that at all. Yeah. So for Kenneth Walker to realistically hit that RB one, we have to be looking at like premium landing spot somewhere where his usage would be through the roof because to be someone who doesn't catch passes, your usage like a Derrick Henry would have to be insane. You'd have to yeah. be on an offense that scores a lot and you would have to be doing a lot of that scoring. So and when, yeah, while we can about, project him, yeah, yeah. Right, while we can say that he's probably a good rusher as a prospect coming out of college, we can't project him to be a Derrick Henry in the NFL. It's just not exactly. something that I would say I expect. Certainly anything is possible, but it's not something I would expect right now. And when you look at players like uh, Ian was saying, like players often here brought up as counterexamples is that in college, guys like Melvin Gordon, um, Leonard Fournette, Jonathan Taylor, AJ Dillon, those guys didn't catch passes either, and but they caught passes in the NFL, so it's not something we should use. But they all had better market share receiving yards in college than Kenneth Walker. It's not something where you have to be dominant in market share of receiving yards. Um, at every year to for me to consider you like at least a passable receiver it's just something that you have to show you can do it at least a little bit and yeah. show that you, and, and in at least one season of doing it yeah like, and there there's levels to it so like when yeah. you bring up like Jonathan Taylor for example or like there's a type when it comes to Jonathan Taylor like uh Adrian Peterson um mm-hmm. like that type where you are a really good rusher and Jonathan Taylor is a really good rusher something like people say about Kenneth Walker, he could be this really good rusher like them, which is true, but they've also been capable of being that three down back that in college was adequate at catching passes. What that means is like a 10% target share your second year in the NFL. Like when you're blowing up like Jonathan Taylor last year, 10% target share. Is that great? No, but also if he's not adequate enough at catching passes, he doesn't finish as highly. And if we are talking about Jonathan Taylor, who I want to say, if we're looking at RB1s the past years, I know it was Christian McCaffrey 2020, Saquon 2019. Like, yeah, I can't remember who was before that, but we're talking about high target share players because Gurley so- in 2018, right? Yeah. 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 And that's more of like a Jonathan Taylor target type or receiving type. He was but, a better receiver, I think. Yeah, and, uh, he was a better receiver than Jonathan Taylor. I think he, Jonathan he, Taylor had the least um, receptions since, like, Adrian Peterson in 2012. Yeah, the problem is Jonathan Taylor, was. yes, scored as an RB1 with adequate receiving, but he also had – The other wanted, running backs got hurt or played on a bad offense, like Kamara, yeah, uh, CMC, he and had Henry. one of the lowest um, – or for a while, he's had the lowest um, points per game for an RB1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember in how long, which was kind of the point that I was trying to get to is Jonathan Taylor finishes the RB1, but if this is any other year, you could be looking at like RB5, RB6, yeah. because mm-hmm. there's guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, uh, Alvin Kamara that are capable of catching a ton of passes. And when most leagues like ours are point uh, points per reception, like that goes a long way. Like Christian McCaffrey catches a pass and runs 10 yards that doubles being a really good rusher and running at 10 yards, which is kind of just what we're trying to say about Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker's rushing production would have to be like triple what a, I don't know. I'm lost on this one on who to compare him to. Um, 
but yeah, you kind of need receiving production to be a top end running back. Like, yeah. would it surprise us if Kenneth Walker's an RB two his rookie year and he had like had solid missed tackles? Uh, no, not at all. Yeah, it would not surprise me. Would it surprise me if he had a ten percent target share, or which is what I call about adequate? You're not some great receiving catcher mm-hmm. or receiving pass catcher. Um, that would surprise me a lot because he doesn't. Like Kosh said, I think his season high um, receiving yard market share was like three percent. That's that's nothing. It's really bad. And it, to compare that, the thing I often hear with him, like with the the counter examples that I said earlier that they also didn't catch a lot of passes, but a lot of them played in low volume offenses. Um, but when you use receiving yards market share, then you can ad- adequately compare players across different offenses, offenses like Wisconsin and with Gordon and Taylor or Boston college with Dylan or LSU's um, with Fournette. I think they all ran pretty low volume offenses because they had those great running backs or good running backs for Dylan. I don't think he's very great uh, anyways, but they had, a lot higher uh, receiving yards market share because when you compare them without looking at the total volume, you can get a better sense of the receivers that they are. And Ken's blocker just doesn't um, even touch those guys who were considered to be okay receivers, but not great. Yeah. And I mean, they needed that too. Like yeah. that, that's just all we're trying to say is Jonathan Taylor without his receiving production is not RB one, Jonathan Taylor. And yeah. He's not even that good of a receiver. The running back uh, receiving comp that I've stolen from Jacob Sanderson is Ronald Jones. Not to say that he's going to be Ronald Jones, but it's just like that's the kind of receiving you could probably expect. Well, and that's another. Uh, Ronald Jones is actually a pretty solid one because they are similar prospects. Yeah. Like, not just because of the pass catching, but they're like, when we talk about rushing, they're good rushers. Um, they eat rushing uh, yard market shares. Like, they can handle a rushing workload and mm-hmm. they're liked by films. Like Ronald Jones, like when we talk about like metrics we're looking at, like Lance Zerline, when he came out with his RB grades, like Kenneth Walker as his RB1. Yeah, he also graded Ronald Jones pretty highly. Like those were people they saw as good rushers, but right. you, in fantasy, if those would not be the, the grades for fantasy football because you need to receive. Right, as we've seen with Ronald Jones throughout his career, he has a low floor, as we saw in 2021. As we saw in 2020, he had, like, 13 points per game. That's just not going to do it. That's not what I want to spend my high first on. Yeah, and that's why they call it a three-down back, because if you're not a pass catcher, it's hard to be out there for all three downs when they need a safety valve or someone to check down to or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, 100%. And that wraps up this week's <laughs> R-Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. So if you enjoyed watching this, make sure to like and subscribe. Um, we're on Spotify and Apple Music, so you can add us there. Um, and we will see you next week. As always, you can find me at Dynasty underscore IM on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at YZR underscore fantasy. Probably talking about Hollywood Brown. Uh, have right. a good one. Thank you.